Well, if you haven't been with us, we uh, have been in a series in the book of 1 Peter called Exiles and Hope. And uh, Peter is a letter addressed to exiles. And what we said is that uh, exile is uh, it's a metaphor. He's not talking to people that are literally banished from their homeland. Uh, um, exile is a metaphor for every Christian living in the world. If you're a Christian, even though you may have an address here, uh, even though you may live in Batesville or Cave City or somewhere else, uh, your true identity is from somewhere else. Your values are from somewhere else. Your uh, citizenship is somewhere else. If you're a Christian, this world is not your home. And so Peter is asking the question, as exiles, how do we live in the world? How do we, how do we navigate life in the world if this world is not our home? Now, Peter, um, he's been hitting various topics about what it means to live in the world. Today, he's going to hit another topic. And the topic he's going to hit is the topic of leadership. Peter here in uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 5 is going to talk to us about what it means to be a leader. Now, why does Peter br- bring up this, this topic right now in the letter? In chapter 5, verse, almost at the end here, why does Peter bring this up? Well, uh, first of all, because leadership is crucial, isn't it? Uh, you know, all of us know what it's like to be deeply impacted by a very, very good leader, Right? Whether it was a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a youth pastor or a boss, almost everybody in this room knows uh, what it's like to be deeply influenced by a really, really good leader. Almost all of us also know what it's like to be hurt or wounded by a very bad leader. And so good leadership is just crucial across the board, no matter where you are. And so Peter's going to address it because it's just that uh, important of an issue. Another reason why Peter brings it up right now in the letter is because of crisis. You know, if you've been reading this this letter, that uh, Peter's uh, readers are living in the midst of a crisis. They are uh, living in the midst of uncertainty. And so they are a persecuted minority in the Roman world, about to be physically abused. They're already experiencing uh, social ostracization. And so they're going through a crisis. And Peter knows that leadership, although it's always important, is especially important in the midst of crisis. There's a book, one of my favorite books on leadership is called A Failure of Nerve, written by uh, uh, Friedman, um, Edwin Friedman. And the book is about leadership in crisis. In fact, he defines leadership like this. He says, a leader is somebody who demonstrates a non-anxious presence in crisis. That's what a leader is, someone who demonstrates a non-anxious presence in the midst of a crisis. The example he gives is uh, if the building is burning down, if the building is on fire and everybody's freaking out, everyone looks to the one who is calm, and that's a leader. And it's so important uh, when you're living in crisis that, that leaders step up and lead and do what they're called to do. And it's so important right now for us because we're living in the midst of crisis, aren't we? 2020, guys, come on. It's been a difficult year. Someone described what we're going through like this. We are in a pandemic combined with economic shutdown that's teetering on economic meltdown while navigating social unrest in an election year. So how about that? That's, our, that's 2020, guys. And so in a moment like this, in our cultural moment, we need leaders to lead. We need to know how to lead. And so Peter in this passage is, is doing just that. He is telling us how to lead. And what's so beautiful about this is that Peter is an amazing leader. 
Uh, Peter's name uh, means rock, and that has everything to do with his ability as a leader. He's, he's, he's a great guy to uh, listen to and sit at his feet as he explains how to lead. So he begins the passage like this. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. He says, I'm going to address you elders. And then he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now, uh, he's talking specifically to church leaders here. Uh, When he says elder, he's not talking about the old people in the congregation. Elder is a metaphor for leadership in the church. Uh, So is shepherd. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. So the primary application is to people like me, people like Sam, uh, people like Michael Brookshire, uh, uh, the elders of a church. This is primarily, uh, he's applying it to leaders in the local church. But I think there is application here to all leaders, whether you're a pastor or not. So whether your flock uh, is your children that you teach at home, whether your flock is your team that you lead at work, whether your flock is uh, your, your uh, players that you coach on the field, whether your flock is your classroom that you're teaching at school. What Peter has to say here about leadership applies to almost all of us in this room. So what does it mean to lead well, especially in a crisis? Peter's going to tell us three things. There are three uh, very important uh, principles of leadership in crisis. So let's kind of just go through uh, here this morning. The first is found in verse uh, 2. He says, I want you to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. This is the one verb in the the passage. Shepherd the flock of God, but how are we supposed to do that? The first he says is that I want you to do it willingly. Good leadership is willing leadership. Notice what he says. Shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, he says, but willingly as God would have you. So he says, I want you to lead willingly. I want you to lead not under compulsion, not because you have to, but because you want to. The first principle of leadership, then, is availability. Uh, It's simply saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Uh, In the Bible, uh, leaders are not necessarily the most gifted people. They're not necessarily the smartest people in the room. They're not people necessarily who even have the position of leadership. People that lead in Scripture are those who make themselves available to God. It's people that lead willingly. The best example, of course, is Isaiah. Remember Isaiah had the vision of God, high and lifted up in the temple, and God says, I've got a job for, uh, out there. I've got a job that I want somebody to, to perform for me. Who will go for me, says God. And do you remember Isaiah stood up and he says this wonderful statement of leadership. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. This is the first principle of leadership. I am willing to lead. So many people are not available. So many people are too busy. Too many, so many people are just not open enough to look to God and say, whatever it is, whatever job it is, Lord, I'm available. Everything I have is yours, and I want to be used by you. But that's the first principle of leadership in the Bible. You don't have to be gifted. All you need to be is available. And of course, the opposite is Moses. Do you remember Moses? God appeared to him in the burning bush and said, I've got a job. I want somebody to go to the Pharaoh. It's a dangerous job. But who's going to do it for me? And what did Moses say? He said, here I am, Lord. Send my brother. (laughs) Send Joshua. Send somebody else, God. But a leader is somebody who says, I'm available. Whatever it is, Lord, I want to do it. I'm not going to drag my feet 
I'm not gonna point the finger at somebody else. I wanna, I wanna ask the question, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I am willing to do it. It's being available. A willingness also means that we are intentional about it. A leadership is not just a position you have, it's a decision that you make with the will. Willing has to do with the will. And so the question isn't whether you have a leadership position, whether you're a parent or a pastor. The question is, are you parenting? Are you pastoring? Leadership is more than just a position. It is something you do intentionally. He says the verb here is not... The verb, he doesn't use shepherd in terms of noun. The, he uses shepherd as a verb because shepherding is something you do with intentionality. And so you, are, you, are you leading with intentionality? Are you a parent only or are you parenting? Are you a pastor, Brent, or are you pastoring? Are you a shepherd or are you shepherding? Are you intentionally engaging in leadership? Are you doing it willingly? Uh, one, one story that my first pastor told me about uh, one of his first experiences in the hospital. He was a young guy, and he was going to visit an elderly woman in the congregation. As, as, he, as he walked up to the door, the old woman who was laying in the bed, she looked at him, and she said, Pastor, stop right there. And so he stopped at the door, and she said, I have one question for you. And he said, what? And she said, I want to know, are you anointed or are you just ordained? And she said that with a scorn in her, in her voice, right? So are you... Are you here because you have to, or are you here because you want to? Are you ordained? Are you a pastor in name only, or are you actually intentionally doing it? Leadership is a decision. Also, leadership involves an inner intentionality, inner conviction. Because notice he says, not by coercion, but by intentionality, according to the will of God. So uh, coercion is something that could happen to leaders. You can be pressured into leadership, right? Leaders face outer coercion all the time, pressure from the outside, fears that are coercing you, uh, the mob mentality and herd mentality that are pressuring you. But a leader is not motivated by outer, outer coercion, but by inner conviction, Uh, Edwin Friedman talks about a well-differentiated leader. This is a leader that refused to be pressured into anything. You are guided not by people or by anxieties, but by the will of God, Peter says. You parents know about this. You're pressured all the time to, you know, Mommy, can I watch the third movie today? Which was the question we got at home last week. Or, Mommy, can I have ice cream before dinner? Daddy, can we go, uh, you know, ride our bikes a mile away? You get the pressure, but a good parent resists the pressure because they're motivated by an inner conviction, by what's best, what the will of God is. He says a good leader, especially in crisis, is somebody who is not coerced. He he or she is well differentiated. They are willing and internally motivated to lead. Is that you? Is that you? Second of all, he's going to go on and say that uh, good leadership in a crisis is not just willing leadership, but also it is, involves selfless leadership. So notice uh, he goes on and he says, uh, shepherd the uh, flock of God which is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Then he says, um, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Here's the second principle of leadership. A good leader never asks the question, what is in it for me? 
a good leader is always motivated by others. It's, he's, the, the good leader is always asking the question, what is the need? Not what's in it for me, but what is the need? And in the uh, Old King James Version, uh, it says that this person shouldn't be motivated by filthy lucre. <laughs> filthy lucre, don't you love that? Uh, I was thinking that um, I would tell a joke about my son Luke. When he gets dirty, he becomes a filthy lucre. But my wife said that was a really bad joke. Of course, I told it anyway. Nobody laughed. Come on, even a courtesy laugh here. Essentially, he's saying the the good pastor is not calculating for what he can get out of it. The good shepherd, the good leader is not calculating for what they can get out of it, but acting spontaneously, eager to serve others. This is so crucial. Uh, The essence of leadership is when a person gets a burden for a problem outside of themselves. You could have a position of leadership But until you get beyond what's in it for me, you will never be a leader. The very definition of a leader is somebody who is broken by a problem that is not just their problem. They're burdened by a problem that is somebody else's problem. And this burden motivates them to act. And so in the Old Testament, remember there was uh, Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah was, uh, he had a cush job, he had a well-paying job, he was high up in the Persian Empire. He was fine just where he was, but he was propelled into leadership. Why? It's because he was broken by a problem, the broken walls of Jerusalem. It burdened his heart and it propelled him outward. And a leader is always somebody who asks the question, not what is in it for me, but what is the need? What is the problem out there? This is the difference, by the way, in in John chapter 10 when Jesus talks about a shepherd versus a hireling. Uh, The primary difference between the motivation uh, for tending the sheep is is that a hireling does it for his own benefit, and the shepherd does it for the benefit of, of the sheep. And this is such an important question for a leader, because when things get difficult in a crisis, when leadership becomes hard, the person who is in it for themselves will bail. If you're going to hang in there when leadership gets tough, you've got to have a deeper motivation. You've got to have a motivation beyond your own benefit. What's in it for me? Because the perks will disappear. They will go away, and you will sacrifice your own self, and you won't do that unless there's something bigger that's motivating you. You may have heard the story of the man who didn't want to go to church one day, and you remember his alarm went off, and he turned off the alarm, and his wife goes in there, and she says, you need to go to church today. And he says, I don't want to. And she says, well, you have to. And he says, well, give me three reasons why. She says, number one, God wants you to. Number two, because it's good for you. And number three, you're the pastor. And if you don't go to church, church isn't going to happen. You see, leadership will get hard. Parenting will get hard. Pastoring will get hard. Eldering will get hard. Teaching will get hard. And the question is, why are you in it? Are you in it because your heart is breaking for a burden beyond your own life? Because that burden is going to keep you going. That outward-facing motivation of love is going to keep you going when things get difficult. Am I just building my empire? Am I just earning a paycheck? Am I just looking for popularity? Or is there a deeper reason why I'm in this thing? Every leader's heart is breaking for a problem beyond themselves. 
I love what Tim Keller said. He, he, he says that in preaching, he said, I, I, I don't know that I ever led through preaching until about 20 years after I've been doing it. And he says, because for the first 20 years, I was always asking the question, was this a good sermon? Did people like this? Am I very popular? And so he says, my motivation was kind of all about me. And he says, until I got beyond, is this a good sermon? He says, I feel like I wasn't even able to lead until then. Because you've got to ask a bigger question. You've got to be working for a a larger problem. You've got to have a burden beyond your own life. In this me-centered culture, leaders are people who ask, what is needed? How can I serve? What is the problem out there? Thirdly, uh, Peter goes on and he says, uh, leaders are not only those who do it willingly, they're self-differentiated, they they aren't coerced, but they are motivated by inner conviction. Second of of all, leaders are people that, that are they've got a burden, they've obtained some sort of passion for a problem beyond themselves. And that keeps them in there for the long haul, even when it gets hard. Thirdly, he says, leadership in a crisis involves authenticity. He says in verse three, not domineering over those under, in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Not domineering, but being examples to the, to the flock. And here he's talking about Authenticity. He's saying that as a leader, your job is not just to tell people what to do. A leader in God's kingdom is not just the one who's calling the shots, who has all the gifts or all the power or all the intelligence. A leader is someone who leads by example. In other words, he says the most important aspect of leadership, especially in a crisis, is not just what you do, but who you are. And do you remember uh, Edwin Friedman at the beginning of the sermon? He said, when the building is on fire, people look to those who have a non-anxious presence, people that are calm. He's talking there about who you are in that moment. As you're leading your family, as you're leading your classroom, as you're leading uh, wherever you lead, the most important aspect of your influence is not what you do, but who you are. Peter says, leaders lead by example. So Peter, writing to this church that's going through trouble, he says, oh, elders, what's so important is that you don't freak out. Everybody else is freaking out. You you need to maintain your presence. People are afraid and people are full of anxiety. You need to be somebody who is clinging onto God's promises and staying the course because who you are, your presence in the midst of your sheep makes all the difference. And this is why he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. He says, as an elder, as a leader, you are one of the sheep. You're not just over them calling the shots. You are living with them by example, showing them how to to move forward. Because as the leaders go, so goes the church, so goes the organization, so goes the family. This is why Peter Scazzaro, he he has this great quote. He wrote a, a book called Emotionally Healthy Leadership, And he says, as a leader, the most important thing about your leadership is your own emotional health. And so he says, the overall health of any church or ministry or family or organization depends primarily on the emotional and spiritual health of of its leadership. So you can tell your kids all you want. You need to love God and you need to love church 
and you need to love the Bible, but unless you actually love God yourself, unless you actually love church and you love the scripture, they won't love what you tell them to love. They actually love what you love because who you are matters so much more than what you do because your character bleeds out unto others around you. And this is why in the book of 1 Timothy, uh, Paul writing to a young leader, his name was Timothy, notice what he says. He's telling him how to lead his flock and to lead the people under him. And he says, you need to be careful to do this. He says, keep close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for so, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He says, watch yourself. Make sure that you are spiritually healthy. Make sure that you are not torn up with anxiety. Make sure that you are following Jesus and spending time with Jesus because your character, your presence rubs off on people that you follow. Um, one of the people that had the greatest influence on in my life was my, was my grandmother. And my grandmother, she... She was a godly woman. She, just, she was the type of person that was just so admirable. And she prayed for me. She prayed for the family. She prayed for multiple generations after her. And what's amazing about my grandmother is she influenced not only her own kids, but also her grandkids. Five of her grandkids are now pastors in the ministry, and I think she prayed us into the ministry. And by virtue of influencing me, she's influencing my own kids multi-generational influence. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. And if that's true, my grandmother is probably one of the greatest leaders in my life. Here's the thing about my grandma. I can't tell you what she was good at. I can't, if, I, I never served with her in ministry. I don't know what her gifts were. I'm sure she had many of them. But her gifts were not what influenced me. You know what influenced me? Her presence. Her example who she was way more than what she did. And it's still paying dividends generation after generation after generations. And so Paul says, take heed to yourself, Timothy. Watch your own life. Make sure that you are following Jesus because the greatest thing you can do for people that are following you is to follow Jesus yourself. So Peter's talking to leaders here, and he says, you need to be willing, you need to be servants, you need to be authentic examples. And then he goes on, and he's going to with, conclude with this kind of fear, fear, fearsome statement. He says, and, verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unending crown of glory. What he's saying here is he's, he's raising the bar, and he's saying, listen, your leadership, is a stewardship. Your leadership is for a limited time. God has entrusted to you people that you're called to lead. Whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a parent, whether you're an elder, whether you're a pastor, a teacher, coach, God has entrusted people to your care. And what Peter is saying here is he's saying, one day you will give an account for how you stewarded that leadership. So I want you to lead as those who are going to give an account. 
I want you to be aware of the awesome responsibility you have that God has given you for the people that look to you for leadership. Because Christ will come again and you will give an account for that leadership. Now, uh, this is fearsome, but it's also incredibly encouraging because notice what Peter says. He says, the shepherd will appear and he says, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And I love that because he doesn't say, and you might receive it, or I hope you receive it. He's so confident here. He says, and you will receive that crown of glory. And he's not saying that every leader is going to be rewarded, that every leader is doing a good job. There is the danger of really messing up. But Peter knows these leaders that he's talking to. He exhorts them as people that are between the cross, the suffering of Jesus, and the glory of Jesus. These are people that are called by God and filled with the Holy Spirit and partakers of the redemption of Jesus. And he says, if that's true about you, I am confident that you are not leading alone. You you lead with God's power. You have power. If you're a leader here today, whether it's a parent or pastor or whatever, there is power to lead beyond your natural ability. And what I love this is that Peter is not only the greatest leader probably in the early church, Peter is also a man who completely failed at leadership, right? Remember when Jesus, there was a crisis, Jesus was arrested, Peter needed to lead, but what did he do? A schoolgirl came up and said, do you know Jesus? And he, he totally caved in to the pressure. He was selfish and he bailed as a hireling would. And he just was deeply broken morally. So Peter is saying, I've failed as a leader and you will fail. And all of us will fail. But here's the beauty of being a Christian. You lead between the suffering of Jesus and the glory. There is forgiveness when we fail. There is power for us to succeed. And what God has begun a work in you, the work that he began in you, he will be faithful to complete it. So I want you to be encouraged. If you're leading here today, I want you to know you're not leading alone. The chief shepherd leads in you and through you. And so as we end, I just want you to consider a couple things here today. Number one, as we are in a period of anxiety and crisis, I want you to ask the question, who is God calling me to lead? Who are those people under my care? Who is my flock? Who am I going to give an account for? And then I want you to be encouraged and I want you to take the resources that are available to you by virtue of, of Christ's redemption and assume the the mantle of leadership. Be available, be open, and lead. Because God can use our influence to do incredible things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this passage about leadership. I pray, God, that you would, uh, Lord, as we are, Lord, as the building is on fire, so to speak, uh, and the temptation to be anxious, to... uh, be coerced by our fears, by mob mentality, whatever is there. I I pray that you would enable us to be differentiated leaders, that we would lead willingly. Help us, God, to be selfless leaders, to be motivated, to be burdened beyond problems, beyond our own lives. And Lord, help us to lead by example. Help us to be authentic. Lord, make us spiritually healthy so that our spiritual health could bleed on to those 
who are in our care. And, and so, God, we just pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen.